welcome to another episode of Menopause, the good, the bad, and the downright sweaty. I'm Diane, and as ever, I'm joined virtually, unfortunately, by my lovely co-host, Sophie. Hey, Sophie. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, cross. <laughs> <laughs> Not having a... I'm happy a... today, honey. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised though. So, do you want to explain why you're feeling grumpy? Well, so um, for those of you who have not um, seen them or been able to tune in, um, Sophie and I, along with our podcast, we've also been doing a series of uh, videos, um, Instagram lives, which are now saved as videos on my IGTV on my Instagram profile. And we've done them all about surgical menopause because Sophie and I are commonly in surgical menopause. Um, so we've done it about all aspects. And this, we were going to do one, then we did two, then we did three. And then it was clear <laughs> that there was one that needed to answer lots of people's questions. So we did one all about questions and I think we were both a bit taken back, weren't we, Soph, by yeah. some of the things that people were putting on the comments. Um, but something that really kind of blew both of our minds was um, a lady who was tuning in um, put a comment up to say that she was in surgical menopause, um, she was still struggling with symptoms and essentially she'd gone back to her doctor and I'm going to quote this to you. Um, the doctor had said that there is nothing more I can do to help you, which, you know, completely destroyed any hope that she had of help. It's just and disgusting, isn't it? Just to <laughs> be so dismissive. It's exactly that. And so that's really rubbish. And we had a bit of a rant about that on the live and then so it's now Monday and that really played on my mind over the weekend and now it's Monday and I spoke to a lovely lady this morning who in well in very similar words has pretty much been told the same thing um struggling with her menopause symptoms um gone back to her doctor and the doctor has essentially said that they have no idea how to help her um and they suggest she now has antidepressants and it's just not good enough and no. you know I know when I say this um I think sometimes I think people think maybe that I make it up you know kind of that all these people are struggling and I remember putting something on Twitter which is never my favourite place to be because it can be such a toxic environment. It can be fabulous, but it's a particularly difficult place to be at the moment. Um, and I remember putting something up about a woman's experience and a medical professional um, came back and essentially accused me of making it up, that it was a story. Okay. <laughs> And thankfully, lots of other people jumped in and put him right. Um, but, you know, I do genuinely hear this stuff all the time. If it's not personally with clients, then it's on the group. 
you know, I know that yourself, Soph, I know that Jane Lewis, I know that all sorts of other people hear things like this. I know there are lots of doctors who are specialising in menopause who hear this kind of thing too. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure that there are people who are fed up with me banging on about it. But this is having such an enormous effect on people's quality of life. And it just can't be allowed to go on. There needs to be some kind of, there needs to be a responsibility. And that responsibility essentially lies with those who, you know, sort of those who train doctors, those who oversee GPs. Um, and to be honest, I don't care who does it. I don't care if it's the Royal College of General Practitioners. I don't care if it's the NHS. I don't care if it's the CCGs. I don't give a stuff who does it. But I'm so sick and tired of, A, laying awake at night, worrying about these people, and B, hearing it time and time again, and knowing that between us, whether it's doctors who specialise, whether it's women who you know kind of a supporting other women whether it's patient experts i'm just sick of hearing it because we know that there are hundreds of thousands of women out there probably millions worldwide who are being failed yeah and they're just being given antidepressants or sedatives or being incorrectly referred to mental health services which mm -hmm. are adding pressure in the, in the uk to the nhs um and a lot of women are left feeling like they're going mad or being made to feel like they're going mad because their their feelings and symptoms are kind of undermined in some ways and they're kind of just brushed off as oh we'll just suck it up and get on with it it's Whereas, just infuriating and I think you know we're, we're in 2020 I just can't believe that you've still got a group well a lot of doctors are kind of working on out-of-date information Mm -hmm. um, that kind of transpired last week where I was contacted by um, a woman who sent me a really long email and she it was just heartbreaking to read how she's never had a history of anxiety or um, depression or any mental health issues yeah. um, and she's kind of gone into menopause and she feels horrendous she feels really anxious she can't go out very very irritable um exhausted like aching all over she's getting yeah. flushes and night sweats so she's really really struggling yeah um and she went to her gp and she said it took a lot of courage to get to that point mm. um and she said she finds it very hard to ask for help and he basically told her that hrt gives you cancer oh that was, my that was the God. statement it gives you cancer um and I can give you antidepressants and sleeping tablets. And when she was saying, but I've been, I've read up on things, I would like to try this. No, it gives you cancer. See, now, if another professional in a different discipline, you know, if that was a, if that was a lawyer who was giving that kind of out of date information, there would be outrage. Yeah, they'd be held accountable. But why why does that why does that not happen? Is it because is it because it's women's health? I I think it's a lot to do with it. it's women's health. It's just kind of this 
thing that I think women are just expected to just to get on with things and <sighs> or, or we're just making a fuss and the thing is it's it's very difficult for so many people to ask for help I think that's probably one of the hardest things to do so you build up all this courage to go and you kind of I, I always get really anxious before talking to a doctor and then for somebody just to sit there and flat out refuse or not have a up-to-date discussion or give you information so you can make an informed choice I think is just you it's not great in any circumstance but that's the sort of behavior you'd expect kind of from 1985 not in 2020 well and it kind of makes a mockery of the whole I don't know if you're familiar with the whole NHS choices um, agenda but it makes an absolute mockery of it because there's absolutely no choice in that a the doctor's working on horribly outdated information um, and b the patient's not being offered choice it's like you know, it's not even heard of the nice guidelines, it seems. Oh, for goodness sake. You know, you just wonder, you know, kind of how is this, how is this ever going to turn around? Um, you know, I know we'll keep, you know, we'll keep plugging away, but oh, for goodness sake. Anyway, that was our little mini rant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've come out in an angry rash. I feel better. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> makes me furious so what we thought we'd do on today's podcast was um answer a few frequently asked questions so I'm going to be the question master and Diane shall be the menopause guru and wise owl of all things the wise owl of menopause indeed and then what we thought if any of you listeners have any questions then please do let us know either on Instagram um, or you can email us on hellomenopausepodcast at hotmail.com. Yeah, we're going to do a few FAQs, aren't we, lovely? Yes, yeah, so please do send your questions over. Um, but yes, yeah, shall I just go ahead, Diane? You crack on, on, lovely. I've got no idea what she's going to ask me, but anyway, you crack Daddy, on. <laughs> what is the capital of? No, I'm <laughs> um, so a very frequently asked question is how long will my natural menopause last okay so when we're talking about a natural menopause we're talking about women who are they're not having a surgical menopause they're not having a medical menopause it is exactly what it says on the tin they're going into menopause naturally um so how long does it last well Essentially, we can only go on sort of what the research says. And the research tells us that on average, menopause symptoms or men, sorry, menopause. So that's from your first perimenopausal symptom to the time when you've had 12 months uh, without a period. That's kind of your perimenopausal stage. That's when you have most of your symptoms. Um, symptoms on average last um or the or that kind of stage lasts between four and eight years now it's important to say that you know 20 25 percent of women will have no symptoms at all um but for those that do have symptoms for some they'll last a few months for others they'll last years and there's a small proportion of women who will have symptoms for more than eight years and will go on to be symptomatic even postmenopausally. So once they've had their 12 months without a period. 
Did that make sense? So yeah, good. So the next question, leading on, how long does surgical menopause last for? <laughs> that's just really pertinent to both of us, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so, the, well, the difference between natural menopause and surgical menopause is natural menopause is that your ovaries, the um, the oocytes or the eggs in your ovaries are depleting and then your hormone levels start to fluctuate. But you never, you don't completely run out. You, you're always got a tiny little bit of your natural hormone level. Whereas for women who go into a surgical menopause, when the ovaries are removed, um, your ability to produce estradiol, which is the hormone that we add back um, to help with symptoms. Um, or one of them, but it's the one that causes the most of the symptoms, um, that's gone. Um, and a lot of your ability to produce testosterone is gone because a lot of it is made in the ovaries too. So you could say that when a woman goes into menopause at the time of surgery, she is immediately postmenopausal. Um, but because it's such a dramatic you know, sort of entrance into menopause, symptoms could potentially go on for a very long time. Um, the interesting thing when you speak to a lot of women who are in surgical menopause is a lot of them, if they've gone on to HRT, which hopefully most of them would have done, particularly if they're sort of under the age of sort of 55 or, or so, um, a lot of them will probably never find out whether or not they're still symptomatic because they're not prepared to give up their HRT. Mm, hell no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, we always have to remember that women who go into a surgical menopause have a greater risk of things like osteoporosis, heart disease, etc. So the earlier you go into a surgical menopause, the more your risk rises. Um, so it's really important that they have those supplemental hormones to negate those risks. That's why it's that's why we kind of get quite passionate about particularly younger women who go into a surgical menopause having supplemental hormones straight away to protect, definitely to protect bone and heart health and learning more and more now about protecting long term brain health. So if a woman is in surgical menopause and mm. um, like due to, say, estrogen receptive cancer yeah. um, and she's been told she flat out cannot have HRT, mm -hmm. what would you then recommend for them in that situation? OK, so the first thing I would say is who has told that woman that she mm -hmm. absolutely can't have HRT because quite likely if it's for cancer, it's quite likely to be her oncologist. Um, because the oncologist is essentially their focus is ensuring that she recovers from cancer so that they either it's like generally either surgery or treatment. Um, but they're not really looking at the sort of wider implications, perhaps of being in either generally a medical menopause um, when treatment is given. Um, so if it's the oncologist, then really that woman needs to be referred to a menopause specialist to have a conversation where they can talk about all the pros and cons 
of mm -hmm. HRT and the risks and benefits to that particular woman. So HRT is generally not a first line treatment for women who've had estrogen receptive breast cancer. However, it should also not be a flat out no with no conversation because when it comes right down to it, I'm going to go back to choice. Um, this should be about having factual, evidence-based, up-to-date, non-biased information from a doctor or gynecologist who specialises in menopause so that that woman can make an informed choice for herself. There are other treat there are other treatments there are other medications that can be given um, if the woman chooses to or it is absolutely not a possibility for her to have HRT um, so there are other treatments that doctors can can offer um, but it is really important that she gets to sit down with somebody who really understands not just the symptoms of menopause but the long-term impact um and also what the what the options for her could be mm -hmm. brilliant thank you so <laughs> next question what is the difference between body identical and bio identical hrt <laughs> this confused the hell out of me when i first went into surgical menopause i was just like well, huh? <laughs> I think it's because they're so similar, lovely, isn't it? That's the yeah. thing. So essentially, bioidentical and body identical, they're essentially saying the same thing. They're saying that the hormones that are being prescribed are similar to or the same as the molecular structure as the hormones that the body makes naturally. However... Here's, here's, here's the crux of the situation. The term bioidentical has essentially been hijacked by private practitioners as a marketing term for the hormone preparations that they prescribe. So when I say private practitioners, it's important to say that we have NHS and private practitioners some of our private practitioners are recognised by the British Menopause Society. Some of them are not. Um, so you would generally find, it's not fair to say always, but you would generally find that those who are recognised by the British Menopause Society are prescribing licensed, regulated, body-identical products. However... I am aware of a couple of British Menopause Society members who are also prescribing bioidentical. What you often find is that there are practitioners who are not British Menopause Society recognised and they are bioidentical. They call themselves bioidentical doctors. Now, bioidentical doctors, um, I am aware of a course for bioidentical hormones which is two days long and it is aimed at prescribers so anybody that can prescribe is usually a doctor sometimes a nurse it's aimed at prescribers it's about one and a half days on the treatments themselves and the second half of the second day 
is totally dedicated to growing your business and marketing your business. Um, so that probably tells you some of what you need to know. Um, the other important thing to say is that whereas body identical products are licensed and regulated, bioidentical are not. They're not licensed and regulated in the UK. They are not licensed and regulated or approved by the FDA in America. And the way that bioidentical prescribers get to operate is that the products are seen not as a, if you like, not as a pharmaceutical product. They are seen as I can't remember the term, but it's a sort of complementary health type thing. But um, it's important to say that they are absolutely hormone products. They are made up in what are called compounding pharmacies. Mm -hmm. So the sort of the marketing line, if you like, is that they are bespoke for you. Um, very often they're made up on the basis of either blood or saliva tests. Um, there's a lot of controversy around saliva testing. Um, but even with blood tests, if you're a woman in perimenopause, your hormones are up and down all over the place. They go on a roller coaster ride during perimenopause. So any blood test that's taken is literally a snapshot in time. So if your hormone preparation is prepared to that blood test, it could be wrong for the next day or later that day or later that week, which mm -hmm. is why nice guidelines say if you're a woman over 45, your doctor should be prescribing you based on symptoms alone because blood tests are a waste of time and money. Mm -hmm. Is that, did that, did that get it? I that kind of wrapped it there. Okay. With the um, it's interesting with the bioidentical because a lady at one of the clubs, her friend paid an absolute fortune for bioidentical HRT. Yeah. Um, and she went into hospital um, a few months after taking it with palpitations, mm. and the um, physician, like the consultant there, said to her, "I'm really stumped here because I don't know what is in what you're taking." I don't know what you're taking. Do you know what's in it? And she couldn't give any information. Um, and it actually turned out that it was that that was giving her the, the palpitations. Yeah. Um, but the statement from her consultant of, I just don't know what you're taking, that mm. kind of stuck with her. Of, oh, actually, I'm not even sure what I'm taking right now. And that's, so. that's the problem with unlicensed and unregulated, essentially. is. Mm -hmm. And the other problem is, is that because they're all made up individually, well, you know, kind of you don't know what the you don't know what the quality is from one to another. Um, one of the other issues is giving progesterone as a cream. Um, progesterone as a cream is not well absorbed and there are concerns over protecting the womb lining. So if you're a woman who still has her womb, then if you're having supplemental estrogen, you have to have supplemental progesterone as well. And giving progesterone as a progesterone cream, it's just not well absorbed by the skin. Um, there isn't an NHS, there isn't a product available on the NHS, which is a progesterone cream. Um, you will find that your progesterone in your combined patches is not a cream. Um, 
the the other progesterones are either in tablets or it's in a small um, gel capsule or some people use the marina coil for their progesterone. And one of the things that I know several menopause doctors and gynecologists and in fact, one of my own clients has experienced is that they have had to have um, ablations of the womb because the womb lining has not been well protected and has become too thick. Um, and obviously, over the long term, there is a concern over womb cancer when the endometrial lining is too thick for too long. So, you know, it. I would say to anybody who's considering bioidentical and, you know, sort of I have seen it's generally celebrity women um, who say it's amazing. It's changed my life. Um, but I would say to anybody who is considering bioidentical is that the hormones that are in your bioidentical products that you're paying supposedly in a unique format for are available for a prescription charge via your GP. And if not via your GP, via a menopause specialist doctor. Um, and if you still decide that that's the way you're going to go, I would very much do your due diligence and look at who it is that's prescribing you. You know, is it somebody who has, you know, never had an interest in women's health? Is it somebody that's done something completely different and has suddenly switched you know, how much education do they have in this area? Um, don't just believe that a posh office and, you know, a big price tag means that you're getting the best care. Exactly. So we have time for one more question. And I've just lost my page. <laughs> um, <laughs> seriously, I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, can your GP refer you to a menopause specialist on the NHS? what if they refuse um yes they can lovely absolutely they can refer you um so i know we've mentioned menopause clinics before so but there are there's not enough in the country um that generally comes down to funding um but there are menopause clinics if you want to find your local one or the one that's the closest to you in the country um go to the british menopause society website um, yes, your GP can refer you. I spoke to a lady earlier today who told me that her GP had never heard of menopause specialists. Um, but you absolutely can. Um, they can. Um, menopause specialist clinics were set up to see women who had complex cases, essentially. So women who perhaps had a complex medical history. Um, or they had maybe started HRT with their doctors and their doctors couldn't, um, they just couldn't balance their hormones for them. Um, they couldn't get the doses right, etc. Or there was something else going on. Um, you know, so if you're somebody who's had perhaps PMDD or endometriosis, makes it a little more complicated. You mentioned earlier, Soph, the women who have had cancer they are all possibly referrals to menopause specialists. If you don't have one directly in your area, um, if you go and have a look at the information for NHS choices, you will see that your doctor can refer you out of area. Now, they might put up a bit of a fight 
that's generally to do with funding and to be fair to doctors that's often pressure that's being put on them either by their practice or by their ccg but they you can absolutely be referred so i would say you have to be firm mm-hmm. and persistent yes i had to ask 19 times didn't i 19 <laughs> times so wow so thank you Diane for sharing my pleasure lovely um so further information can be found on www.menopausesupport.co.uk or www.menopausedoctor.co.uk or women's health concern yeah absolutely and they've got you've all got downloadable resources on your pages haven't you which are fab yeah yeah absolutely lovely and then the next podcast we do will be answering some more questions. So please do send any in for us so I can be question master for Diane. And where do they send them, Soph? Because I can never remember, as we know. It's hello menopause podcast at hotmail.com. Or Perfect. you can comment on our Instagram page, which is the menopause podcast. Oh, yes. <laughs> Fabulous. All right, my lovely. <laughs> As always, everyone, take care. Nice to speak. See, speak soon, honey. Speak soon. Bye. Bye.